Ladies, here is Lenore Zan, a.k.a. Rogue. It's Cal Dodd here, voice of Wolverine from X-Men, the animated series, Bub. I want you to join me at The Uncanny Experience, the ultimate destination for X-Men fans just like you. Where you will become a mutant student at Xavier's. And be able to explore the school campus, shop the vendor hall, and meet the creators and stars of the X-Men universe. There'll be panels, parties, immersive activities all throughout the historic mansion. Whether you're a fan of the comics or the movies or the animated series, you'll find something to love. This is Chris Claremont. I'm looking forward to seeing you all at the Uncanny Experience. It's going to be one hell of a ride, Bob. I bet it will be uncanny. Get your tickets now, sugar, at the uncannyexperience.com. Bum bum bottom, 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 bum bum
what is that uh, actor who used to have that uh, podcast I listened to all the time, and it was like four-hour episodes in the early days of podcasting? You know, the character actor from A Few Good Men, not Tom Cruise, but the other guy. He shows up in all these little comedies and dramas. He's in that Kevin Smith horror film, Red State, with John Goodman. That uh, guy, Kevin... Kevin Pollack. Kevin Pollack. He does a mean Shatner impression. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's how I should have gotten to it with Shatner. Uh, yeah, so our Invincible episode is bordering on Kevin Pollack chat show link. Mm. And, you know. That's, I like, that, that's, I like yeah. a long-form podcast. Yeah, Brad resists it, but I'm like, the conversation <laughs> is going to just take the amount of time it takes, man. There's so much to talk about regarding the final moments of Mark and Eve's relationship in the Invincible series. And we could not skip over anything really there and yeah. i'm really proud of those five episodes that we did on invincible i think they're some of our best counseling sessions and i hope anyone who has been enjoying our san diego comic-con coverage takes a moment to jump over and give those episodes a listen yeah it does include it kicks off with a conversation with robert kirkman as he tells us what trade paperbacks to cover. Our lovebirds, our patrons have probably already listened to our Daniel Warren Johnson. What are we calling those episodes? Married to Singles episode about the NAM. And we're so proud of that conversation as well. It was a long time coming. Yes, yes. Uh, but it feels good to like branch out a little bit, well, do something a little different. initially reached out to Dan shortly after doing our Do A Power Bomb, like ultimate conversation episode and he was so for it he's like oh you're gonna ask me to pick a favorite single issue and then we talk about that issue i was like yeah not not one of your comics just a comic that you love that you think is worthy of conversation and he took a little time to think about what that issue would be and he came back to us with the nom number nine and that was a shock. That was a surprise. Neither of us had ever read the nom number nine. Actually, neither of us had read really any, any nom comics. And that conversation that you can hear in our Patreon feed is unlike anything else we've done at Comic Book Couples Counseling. And I love it so much. And you can listen to it for just $1 or $11 a year. You get a discount. Yeah. And I I, I think, yeah, I, like I'm, I'm just... I'm really chuffed over that chat, and I'm excited for people to discover it. I think that having comic book creators and just other individuals, other sets of eyes and brains discussing comics with us really changes the dynamic because, oh, yeah. of course, Daniel Warren Johnson can talk about a comic from a way different perspective as a creator and as an artist. I felt like me and Brad, we have our limitations, and I felt like he really filled in some conversational voids for us. Well, it's a pilot episode, right? Like, yeah. it's an experiment, and we start that conversation, and Lisa and I have our topics that we want to talk about, and we... we hold the reins in the first part of that episode. But then Daniel Warren Johnson takes over and you're like, oh, we should have handed him the reins earlier. Immediately. Immediately. So in future conversations, I think we will get out of the way a little sooner. Uh, but 
you know, like you never that, know. that's hard for us. <laughs> you never know because you know Daniel is so thoughtful. Yeah, but but yeah, exactly. He's so thoughtful, and he he really he came prepared. He came. He had so he prepared. had bullet points, and we can't expect all of our guests to do that. Sure, either. sure, sure. He had all his notes. He had things that he wanted to talk about. He had specific panels that he wanted to highlight. He had two versions of the Nom Number Nine sitting out in front of him, and then we had a third and fourth version of the Nom Number Nine sitting in front of us, and so we were making discoveries for each other in that conversation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Go check it out. If there are any individuals you'd like us to discuss comics with, we are open to suggestions. Just, you can slip into our DMs or if you're a patron, dude, you can just- Leave a comment. Yeah, leave a comment. Um, But we're really excited about this new venture and we can't wait. So we're going to do two a month. Our pilot is just going to be like this little bubble on its own. But then in August- Two a month, these Married to Singles episodes, I think is going to be really great. And we have folks already scheduled for those August episodes. And we announced who the second comic creator is in the pilot with DWJ. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, All right. We're, again, this is Saturday. Comic-Con is at its peak. And to properly observe this holy day, we needed a couple of really rad creators to do so. A couple of creators who've been on the podcast before. You may remember them from last year talking about the 20th issue of That Texas Blood, their Christmas special, Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. Hello, they're here. <laughs> Not in the room. They will be in a moment. That was a weird turn. You know, it's hello. We've been podcasting for so long this week, Lisa. This is our sixth episode that we've recorded. I'm a little loopy. Yeah, same. And we haven't even packed for tomorrow's flight yet, and we still got to edit all these episodes. You know, do I divide. even like podcasting anymore? <laughs> We're going to divide and conquer. Gonna You're going to yes, edit. Yes, yes, I'm yes. going to go to the mall. Yes, yes. And it's, get those last bits and bobs. No, it's going to do it. It's going to do it. And, and and it's all worth it because you're having conversations like this one with Jacob and Chris. This time talking about the Enfield Gang Massacre Number 1, which drops from Image Comics on August 9th, which means this conversation cannot be too spoilery. Ugh. We actually do a really great job Aww. not spoiling. Spoiling any details, despite Lisa wanting to spoil all the details. All I want to do is talk spoilers, <laughs> and you guys are ruining it for me because you haven't read the book yet. <sighs> but they are going to love the book. The yes. Enfield Gang Massacre, they're calling it a spinoff, and we challenge that terminology, but they're calling it a spinoff of that Texas blood. But it does really operate as a jumping on point. Like you don't have to have read any of the That Texas Blood episodes to enjoy you mean this issues. issues, episodes, chapters, to enjoy this one. Uh, this is a great jumping on point. But I also think that if you have read That Texas Blood, uh, the Enfield Gang Massacre is doing things that are unexpected and expansive and freaking exciting. It's a deepening it's a deepening of the story. And and those are my favorite kinds of stories where, like, you know, there is a reference to the Enfield Gang Massacre in that Texas blood. And then this spinoff comic is just a deep dive into the history of that thing. Yeah. And I really do wonder how deep Chris and Jacob can get with that Texas blood. And that is something that we put to them in this conversation. Before we get into it, since you haven't read the comic, here is the plot synopsis off of the Image Comics website. It says, 
Gunslinging action meets dark frontier drama in this original Western thriller as Montgomery Enfield and his gang of outlaws find themselves in the crosshairs of an aging Texas ranger and a newborn county that's hungry for law. That's a pretty broad description. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did a good yeah. job of not spoiling, yeah. which I do not do. You clearly did not write this uh, plot <laughs> synopsis. Because I would have included the entire comic. <laughs> <laughs> I think for that Texas blood readers, it's important to know there's no Joe Bob in this. There's no Lou. There's no connection back to the present, except for a little bit in the back matter. Yeah, well, I, and I also, you know, I wonder about a lot of these names that are getting mentioned in the Enfield Gang Massacre. Yeah, you know? I wish, I wish. So I have been keeping my, like when I when I get ready for interviews, I keep my character list like on a piece of like loose leaf paper that I <laughs> later throw away, and I I regret throwing yeah. away my notes from the last you two volumes. Like, I don't know. Use a Google Doc, Lisa. Yeah, <laughs> I really should instead of just using papyrus. But like I said, I I do think that you're going to see more and more ties to the That Texas Blood universe the further into the Enfield Gang Massacre we get. Yeah. And that's what we're showing up for. Totally. But also, Jacob Phillips has surpassed himself mm. stylistically, artistically, illustratively with the Enfield Gang Massacre. This is maybe my favorite art that he's ever done in this first issue. It is totally and gorgeous. colors are crazy. Crazy in this issue. Trippy. Very trippy, very Western, very cinematic. And we talk about that leveling up of skill, or at least the changing of style, and why they decided to do that with the Enfield Gang Massacre. But now I feel like I'm venturing into territory in which I'm going to spoil the conversation you're about to hear. So just shut up, Brad. Stuff is so delicious. <laughs> it feels so good. So let's let's just go. Let's let's get to it. They're here now, Lisa. They're here now. Hello. Chris and Jacob, welcome back to Comic Book Couples Counseling. Hello. Hello. Oh, thank, you. thank you for having us. Oh, it is our pleasure. We love having you two on the podcast. And what I like about you guys returning is that you've sort of been teasing the Enfield Gang Massacre since your very first appearance on Comic Book Couples Counseling. This idea of going mm. back to Ambrose County, back in the timeline and exploring that bubbling violence uh, below everything. And we go pretty far back with the Enfield Gang Massacre. Was that always the plan to come to this moment? It, it wasn't always the plan necessarily, but I mean, I always had in my mind that this was a thing that happened, you know, so that the the, the violence and, and the bad stuff that happens in the county was, it, it predated Joe Bob, it predated Buster Buster Greer and all that. So it was it was always there uh, whether we were going to I I didn't know if we were going to do it in a mini series or whether we were just going to see it in a series of flashbacks or a back matter or where. Um, but it was Jake who sort of expressed interest in wanting to do it. Um, so that sort of sparked the idea of ah, let's just do it. Let's do it as its own thing. And, and that's where we are. So but I mean, it, it gives a you know, it's a great opportunity to explore the, the county and also to explore a new set of characters and, you know, different different time period yet again in in Ambrose County's history. So it's uh it's it's re it's really a, a great privilege to be able to do something like this. And Jake, what was it about the Enfield Gang Massacre where 
like this we have to do this it was just a strong desire to do a true blue western yeah i think well originally so the first i saw of it was in the back matter of issue seven of texas blood where we had the article about the gang um and i was doing like the i was doing the design for that i just messaged chris like oh you no know, are we gonna see more of this because this is this looks cool um you know because i have a vague idea of what's happening in the future of texas blood but Chris doesn't tell me that you know that much really. Um, a lot of it I find out as the scripts come in. So you know I had no idea whether we were going to come to this at some point or whether it, that was all we're going to get. So I was like, oh, that'd be cool. And then you know it's been two years now, and we finally sort of got round to doing that, um, and it's become its own its whole own thing. But yeah, it was just like that sounds like a really cool story. So like I want to be able to tell it properly and yeah like doing a, a proper western was just like is always going to be a cool thing to do so you've been calling this a spin-off but i feel like that is a little bit of a misdirect because i for me the big story of that texas blood is what made ambrose county this way and i feel like we are now clawing our way back to answer that question like you don't learn anything foundational about cheers from watching fraser you know what i mean yeah i mean i guess you're right and to a certain extent but I, you know so i mean calling it a spinoff the the i mean it kind of fits with all of our arcs in a way where we mm-hmm. could have couched it into calling it that texas blood colon the Enfield Gang Massacre, uh, where, you know, in every single arc, we have a, a thing that happens. And, you know, obviously you you can be a reader since issue one and and be well informed on on the county and the characters uh, that we we have in our in our story. Or you could just jump in at any point And it's you know, it's pretty easy for you to understand that, OK, this is, you know, this is what's happening in this certain arc. So if it's like a cult horror thing in the first or in the second arc, and then a you know serial killer in the in the third, you know you could jump in at any point, and you not you didn't necessarily have to read the other two arcs that exist uh, to enjoy those. And I think that in that way we sort of are fitting into that mold again, where it's like you can jump in fresh here. To what you were just saying, I mean, we're definitely delving into the history of the county and uh, the, the the first, I, I like to call it like it's, you know, Ambrose County's baptism in blood, mm. because this is, you know, it's a fresh county at this point. It was just, just established. But yeah, I mean, the, the reason we're going ahead and calling it a spinoff is just, you know, there are no characters that we've met previously in that Texas blood. It, it's uh, in that way, it's very much its own thing. You know, I, I had toyed with the idea initially of having it be, uh, you know, character telling or tr- figuring out something about. I was actually I was going to have uh, Deputy Sheriff uh, Flores and her child in like the library. And then her child like is like, oh, what's going on? What was this? And then, you know, the librarian tells like the story of what happened in the Enfield Game Massacre. But that as that keeps us so into the the, the main series that we wanted to just do this thing and hopefully pull in new readers and hopefully they'll want to find out more about the county too. Uh, or yeah, about the future of the county. So, I mean, it is technically its own thing, but it's also technically, you know, part of that taxi. But I don't know, I guess if you're a new reader, it's a spinoff. And if, <laughs> if you're a, a tried and true, that Texas blood reader, it's a, it's a, it's a continuation. 
we haven't got Joe Bob as the through line in this one as well. So that's like, he feels like the sort of link of all those different stories. Whereas obviously he's not. Yeah. He's not, he's not making an appearance in, in this one. Unless he's, you know, we do a Back to the Future tra- time traveling issue. <laughs> Which I would be into. Yeah. <laughs> I would read that. <laughs> and stylistically, yeah. this gives you a chance to really do something different, you know, with the paneling, with the illustration. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what brought you to the look of the Enfield Gang Massacre? Um, well, to begin with, I said to Chris, like, oh, maybe we could do it as three panel pages to um, basically try and push that idea of like widescreen, you know, cinemascope kind of Western landscapes kind of thing. Um, I thought that'd be a really cool thing. And then at the time, I didn't really think about how that would mean Chris had to completely change. <laughs> you know his his writing to fit that because obviously it really limits the amount of real estate you've got in on the in the actual book um but i think it's been a fun challenge to try and adapt what we normally do into something new and it was yeah like an, it was an excuse to play around with um that kind of thing and even like down to like the paper stock that we're using that's like a conscious choice um which you'll see when it's when it's out but it's you know we wanted everything to sort of be uh done for a reason and to fit into this sort of the the themes of the book and the aesthetic of the book and um everything that we because you know we've been working on texas blood for three or four or even more i don't know how many years years um and there's you know as you're doing it you sort of come up with these ideas and you're like oh well i can't fit that into this because i've already established how we do this the the good thing about the book anyway is that jumping around through time, I get to mess around with how I'm inking it or whatever, or colouring it or anything like that. It does sort of, it gives more freedom than most books, I think, because you can switch it up for each arc. Um, but yeah, this was like a, a whole fresh start. It's like, oh, we can finally use those ideas that I had two years ago. Um, so yeah, it's just fun to, it keeps it fresh for me, I think. You know, trying to figure out how how to a- attack each each project and make it interesting for me to make and interesting for people to read and not just more of the exact same. You know, I still want it to look like me, but a new, better version of what I was doing before. Hopefully, I love the idea of even considering paper stock. What what is the paper stock going to be with uh, this? It's more. It's uh, it's a newsprint. Um, that's what I was hoping you were going to say. Yeah. So I've actually, I've literally got the samples, right? Not that anyone will be able to see this, but it, I've literally got the sample book here, which they send you, which is just gloss cover and then blank newsprint interiors. Oh, um, I can almost smell it. <laughs> I yeah. So it. I think that would be really cool. And it means that because we've got a separate cover, the way we have to do it is we end up with more interior pages. So it's 32 pages plus cover. So it gives us more space to for back matter and extra story pages if we need them and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think it should be a nice object, hopefully. Yeah, one of the things that I've always appreciated about That Texas Blood is that the single issue experience is so different than the trade paperback experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you say the word object and like the issues do feel like objects or totems or artifacts. 
Yeah. I mean, that was, that was all on purpose, you know, I mean, that, that always kind of came back to how we approached doing the back matter and, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I always really enjoyed like, uh, uh, something like mind management, um, yeah. where there was like, there were notes in between the margins, uh, you know, in the gutters of the, of the grid and stuff like that. And then also the back matter you'd get. And I was always a big fan of like Alan Moore's use of back matter and Watchmen and, you know, so I really wanted to bring that sort of, you know, what would make me want to pick up because I always, you know, mind management specifically for Matt Kent. I mean, that was that was like a really cool experience to be reading single issues, um, you know, picking it up and then sort of unraveling the mystery of the story, but also the mystery in between, you know, the panels. Um, you know, that was such a fun experience to be a reader reading an individual, a single issue rather than picking it up in a trade and sort of, you know, coming at it from a different perspective where, you know, you, you have the collected, you, you're literally, you have everything in front of you, whereas it's like every month you get like a new piece. And I mean, we, we first did that obviously in, in, uh, arc one with like Randy's, um, short stories, uh, or short story. And then, you know, in, in the second and, and third arcs, really, we just had sort of investigative material, uh, to sort of bring you further into the story and into the world. Uh, not that Randy's story didn't do that. I mean, it, it did. It just did it in a different kind of way where it was sort of a thematic helping hand, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's something that we always enjoy about creating our book. And I, that's something that we really tried to bring into to Enfield, you know, and make it literally, you know, where the issue itself, like he was, you know, that it's newsprint and all that, you know, make it feel like it's it's very much like it's part of the story, like the actual physical piece as a part of the story as much as anything else in the, in the book. So yeah, it's, it's really, that's one of the great things about comics is that you're able to do that sort of thing, you know, and I, I don't know too many mediums where you, you can do something so extensive and, and really, you know, you, you have really like you have one story in, in, the, in the sequential pages and then you have another story in the back matter and then you have something else in the actual, just like the uh, physical material in front of you. So, I mean, that, that's something that I, I really think is exciting. I mean, you know, we, we, like I said, we always try to do something like that, but it's, it's really fun with, uh, with Enfield where we're really pushing ourselves even further. Being able to sort of build the world in any way we can as well, like past just the story pages, you know, it, and it goes to like the merch that we do and like the stuff that we put on Patreon and that kind of thing. Like, it's fun to think like this is the kind of stuff that I would buy or I would read or I would want from things that I enjoy. So it's like, that's always fun. Like, you know, we did the the baseball t-shirt for a team that's never mentioned in the book, but it's just like, this will be, you know, this is a fun extra thing. So yeah, stuff like that, I think is, yeah, any way of building out that world, you know, because that's what each arc does. It adds to another another level to the to the world that we've built because you know we're going through time and different characters and um I think it all helps build one big thing and I think that's really cool. I love the author's note you have at the end of this first issue, Chris, because it reads to me like wedding vows, like I'm always going to return to Ambrose County. I'm never going to take Ambrose County for granted, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> and you're going to continue, like you're never going to let Ambrose County become a comfort zone for you. You're always going to have, you're always going to be testing your limits with your story making. Yeah. And it makes me wonder like, where does this fear of going stale or going complacent 
comes from? I, you know, I mean, I don't know exactly where it comes from, but it, it's definitely, I mean, it's always there. I, I just, you know, as a, as a comic reader, as a regular comic reader, I go to the shop every Wednesday and I read new books. And I mean, one of the things that I always look for is something that's interesting and new. And, you know, I mean, there is sort of a comfort to like picking up an issue of Batman. It's like, oh, it's Batman again for the 75th or 80th year in a row. You know, it's like, that's fun. But when you have somebody really pushing the boundaries of what that character is and and what that world is, you know, to readers, I, I think that's really exciting. And I mean, even just, you know, in terms of storytelling techniques, I mean, it's something that I, you know, I want to have it be fresh for me as much as for readers. I mean, I want to try to do new things. I want to try and push ourselves. Uh, you know, I don't think you you kind of get to a point where it's, you know, you you know, what's the point in just telling, you know, the same story over and over again, if we've already told it once, twice, three times, I mean, it's like, you know, what's, what's the point in doing it just the same way again, you you need to push yourself and, and try new things. And I mean, uh, in Enfield, you know, we have, there's like, there's definitely, you know, Texas blood tropes in there. I mean, we, you know, issue two, not, no spoiler, but it opens with a dream sequence, you know. So it's like we there's definitely which I just a, finished. I just finished penciling ten <laughs> minutes before I came on the call. Can't wait to see it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's all sort of you know, it's like we have our things that we do, but to try and do them in new and unique ways, and that that's one of the things that I tried to do. And like for example, that dream sequence is like okay, we do dream sequences. Like that's the thing that we we've established that we have. So how how do I do it in a unique way for? for Enfield and and same thing with when you know Jake was talking about the three panel pages it's primarily three panel pages and splash pages I mean and that literally I mean that goes back to so like Jake initially introduced that idea and I, I sort of jumped at it because that you know that's how uh, Darwin Cook did New Frontier which is one of my all-time favorite books um, and then going back to New Frontier and reading it again and seeing that okay he didn't just do three panel pages he did he also did splash pages so then we you know I brought that into the fold where it was okay it's not just you know we're doing but it's all big you know it's all like big uh sort of that like vista vision cineramas you know that all that sort of classically western visuals um but yeah it's it's interesting to just you know push yourself and, and and try to tell stories in a unique way and and um again you know keep true to what the the spirit of the thing is but you know it, i mean it's it literally you know just looking at arc two to arc three i mean we did something completely different with our with arc three was essentially like a largely silent comic you know it was very much just driven by these silent sequences where characters were alone and dealing with things on their own whereas with arc arc two it was you know there was always a that's this duo of Harlan Eversall and and Joe Bob doing things together and then you know and it was very wordy because Eversall is a pretty wordy guy but it you know it's just like that and then and then, and then going into Enfield where it's a totally different world and there's there's no narration you know it's it's just it's what we're seeing is this world and, and we're experiencing it through these characters eyes and and just I don't know it's it's I don't know exactly except to say that I just I you want to push yourself as, as much as you want to push the reader's expectations, I guess. Well, I think one of the ways to not uh, uh, not experience staleness with this story is that you, by going into the Enfield Gang Massacre, you're expanding the world 
of mm. Ambrose County. And one of the joys that I've had as a reader is, you know, I started that Texas Blood. I was like, oh, this is a really cool, like, you know, Texas noir comic. Oh, and then the second volume, like, okay, we can jump in along in timelines. That's interesting. But with the Enfield Gang Massacre and going back in time, you're now getting the sense of like, okay, there is a mythology here. And am I reading a Hellboy comic? Like, <laughs> there's there's so much history that you can explore. And I was reading an interview that you did with The Beat that our friend uh, Zach put together. Mm. And in that interview, you talked about going back even further. And I think the the words you used was you you have an idea for the, the way, way back. And in that interview, it surprised uh, Jake that you did have ideas for the way, way back. <laughs> Uh, and and I'm, yeah. I'm wondering about, you know, how big can that Texas Bloods universe get? Uh, dinosaurs and cowboy hats. No, so that's I, what I'm talking about. <laughs> Cadillacs and dinosaurs. Yes. I mean, we, we almost went there in uh, in the Two Gun Common story. So, you know, we, <laughs> we were one step removed. We had a, a skeleton, a dinosaur skeleton emerge from the ground. But yeah, I, you know, I, I have thoughts on on that sort of stuff you know because it's i you know because the, the history of a place doesn't begin when humans settle there right so that it's like that's sort of what i'm getting at is that the, you know there might be you know so it, and you know there, there's in every town there's like that one house that has a history whether it's a murder or whatever happened in it, and nobody wants to talk about the house and every time somebody moves in like something bad happens you know it's like some some sort of thing like that but it's like okay well what you know what was on that property beforehand and then like you dig into it and it's like oh there used to be a, an ancient burial ground there or something you know it's like so you dig into these things and it's like there's always like more more history more history more history when you dig into these things and whether they're coincidental or not is like you know that's another discussion but i mean for story purposes to have everything have a meaning that and to connect i think is a really exciting opportunity i mean and i i love the idea of going you know through history and you know we do that with every arc but um i mean to to, th to think that we can go back in time and there might be you know who knows what happened when the spanish arrived in texas way back when uh what tribes did they meet uh in the area that would become ambrose county you know we don't know what happened then we don't know you know what what uh horrors they might have faced and and i mean even further back from there so i mean what maybe the, and that was the question i was asking myself is like you know and joe bob asked that question too about like you know what you know is a place evil and so that's kind of the, the question that we're asking ourselves constantly you know exploring that further in the enfield game massacre but there's always the opportunity that we might be able to explore even further back and in, into uh more <laughs> dark things in the past so i mean it, it's there i i always just i always really enjoy uh a deep mythology um and you, you mentioned hellboy i mean i'm a huge hellboy fan so i'm you know i was i actually just on uh the patreon i talked to jesse lonergan um which was really fun um and i think that miss truesdale is honestly one of my favorite manual books that i've read in oh, years love it. um yeah since uh my favorite since um asheron that uh oh that yeah Mignola, that miniseries but um you know not to and it's not a dig at mike Mignola. <laughs> i love his stuff but it's just you know in terms of like the stuff that i'm like oh this is really exciting um to see jesse lonergan doing something with uh the Mike Mignola universe is very exciting. I, I've always enjoyed this, you know, Stephen King, I always talk about Stephen King, Mike Mignola, you know, that sort of, you know, world 
I love. And to, to sort of bring that into our that test blood world and then sort of have readers interested in in that and trying, you know, trying to unravel what happened in the county and what what is going to happen in the county is pretty exciting to me. Um, that we've created a world that's interesting enough for people uh, that they want to know more. And Jake, is that a can of worms that you would want to explore? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if Chris keeps writing it, I'll keep drawing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you say like together to the bitter, bitter end. I love it. I, I, you know, I want Jake to also hold our hands and tell us that you know he's going to be writing that Texas blood and Ambrose County together. We want his vows. Yeah, the where's your vows? <laughs> Oh, no. Well, it's an open marriage. You guys can do all kinds of different books if you want. We'll read those too. See any ring on this finger? <laughs> <laughs> you say that like uh, this series, the Ensfield Gang Massacre, isn't going to connect back totally to the present, but you do have that article in the back that connects hmm. us back to 1996. And it brings up that theme of like the legend and the legend has its own intentions and the legend has its own thing that it's trying to get across. But it's like, it's a, like, and we're discovering like that this legend, the legend of Texas or the legend of the Camelot version mm -hmm. of Texas is perhaps built on sand. And it makes me wonder like people with good intentions and we don't know who's writing this article and I'm dying to know who's writing it. People with good intentions in Ambrose County don't do well. And it makes me think like whoever is writing this article in 1996, could, like I, I'm getting like frightened, like is Ambrose County going to lash back at the individuals who are trying to, you know, dethrone the mm -hmm. legend. Not a question, just my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so the the article is a sort of rebuttal to the article that we had in issue seven, mm. uh, where it's it mentions the Enfield Gang Massacre and you know this happened and this happened and this happened, and the article is just sort of commenting on it well this is not necessarily the way that things happen i mean that sort of just came out of the truth of texas and the truth of, you know things like the texas rangers and sort of the the skewed history on them i mean it's it's uh you know it's i mean you even find that in like i was just talking to somebody uh, a friend of mine about uh you know i'm going to south carolina for a, a vacation at beginning of august and um last time i, I mean i love South Carolina, the food is delicious, but it's 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 very interesting when you go to a like a plantation and they start, you know, they don't call them slaves, they call them indentured servants and things like that, where there's it's like this very slight white whitewashing of history, where they're acknowledging that there was something that happened here, but not necessarily delving into um the atrocities of it. I mean, that's very much true for the Texas Rangers. Um, I mean, they, they, you know, they've been immortalized in film and TV, the Lone Ranger, um, you know, it's sort of looked at as these sort of heroic figures. I mean, there's, there's a great podcast called uh, White Hats, uh, which Texas Monthly produced. Um, there's also a great book called uh, Cult of Glory that also sort of cracks open that uh, mythology uh, that they built up around themselves um, because that, you know, I'm not saying that all Texas Rangers are bad or were bad, but uh, there's definitely, there's, there's a dark history there, discrimination and, and, you know, massacring people and, and uh, sort of trying to make a certain place a certain way by force. 
Um, and so that's, you know, kind of what we're delving into. And I, I think that in any world where something like that happens, you know, it's, it's, um, it opens a can of worms and, and that I think is a great fodder for storytelling uh, for us, you know, for, for what we can do. And, and especially in terms of, uh, you know, what, what the, the, ramifications of something like that the the implications of what it might mean going forward and and you know if there is something darker going on i mean something something as horrible as this might uh influence it but yeah i the other thing i wanted to make sure to do in the, in the back matter which i thought was a, a, an interesting thing and i don't know if i'm doing the right thing or not but i and i mean it's in the title right the enfield gang massacre so i mean and we open with the corpse of Enfield, which, uh, you know, so we do, we do travel back, you know, we, we start at a different point in time when we go back, but it's, you know, um, it's all related to the character and feel himself, but, um, you know, so we, we know what happens and, you know, in that back matter, we, we tell you what happens, you know, and, and it's not necessarily just, you know, there's no real like spoilers. So we're not getting into like individual character moments or anything like that. But, you know, we sort of have the overview of like this, you know, this many people died and this, you know, like yada, yada, yada. Um, and I, I thought that was an interesting thing to do to just kind of break open the story and just tell you like bad things are going to happen. And so, you're, you know, and as you're reading the, the sequential pages and you're getting to know these people, I almost thought it would add like a level of dread to everything that, you know, <laughs> something bad is going to happen come their way but uh you know at the same time you know in in not giving you necessarily specifics about each character and, and how you know how they meet their end or whatever you know i i think that that opens up some potential for you know uh, suspense and all that but it's it's it was it was a, a conscious choice to try and and do something interesting with the storytelling of it as well and on top of you know the just the myth building and all that well i like the conversation that you're starting and you're having with including that article in the back of this issue because i mean like we live in Virginia. So we like, I mean, I went to Sully Plantation when I was in fourth grade. Like we had those same field trips. Like this was in the nineties. The so like, they're like, yeah, we're now aware of how problematic this is, but it's like, we do Sully Plantation every year. So, so like, do we yeah. want to ruin this field trip? And I think a lot of what keeps us from really writing injustices and dethroning the legends is uh I, I think that we do as a culture fear the hard reset you know of like mm -hmm. okay let's take our history flip it upside down and freaking shake it as hard as we can because like ambrose county is has is don't don't spoil don't it spoil i'm not gonna spoil it but i'm just saying ambrose county every Every new storyline connects back. Like to me, I see that Texas blood as like a wagon wheel and every spoke is connecting back to that center. And at that center is something we don't understand that's, you know, freaking evil. You know what I mean? So like, to me, I, I think that as a country, we do have that same wagon wheel where all of the the spokes are going back to a, like an initial uh, an initial injustice. Yes. You know, one hundred percent. Yes, I mean that that was you know like I said that's the baptism in blood. 
mm-hmm. uh, that we're sort of getting at with this with this story. So I mean that you know it's it's very much uh, on my mind as I'm as I'm writing it, and I you know. Well, what's interesting to me is there is a tension, at least the way that I'm reading all of your comics, there is a tension between, you know, evil with uh, a lowercase e and evil with a capital E. We have bumped against capital E evil in that Texas blood, especially in that second arc. And Mm -hmm. when we talk about going back in time and, you know, what was what is there something wrong with the land or is there something wrong with the people who changed that <laughs> land that perverted that land and in this one not spoiling at the end it, there's an element in that article where we learn a little bit more about the naming of ambrose county mm-hmm. and it's you know what it's the, the the awfulness that it's connected to is a you know i don't want to say it but yeah <laughs> human evil uh supernatural evil are, yeah. are, are they both at play you know yeah, I mean, I I think you know that that's that's a question I don't want to necessarily answer. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's definitely on my mind, and I you know it on just you know a it's it's both a capital E and a lowercase e evil, but like uh, with specifically with you know real real world uh, West Texas, um, the the place where Ambrose County's most based off of is, is an area called Jeff uh, Jeff Davis County. Yeah, Jefferson Davis, president of the Confederacy. And, we live off of Jefferson Davis Highway. We do. Yeah, and it, I, it's it's very much ingrained in in American culture. And I mean, yeah, obviously there there are certain people who want to hold on to that uh, piece of our history, and they claim it heritage and. You know, obviously, there's a dark history there, and I mean, it's it's something that was on my mind in, in terms of okay, well, you know, because I named Ambrose County after Ambrose Pierce, <laughs> yeah. But you know, in terms of the, of the naming of it, uh, it, in story, sort of jumping off of the back of that that idea of you know, naming your county after a bad person, and just refusing to to change the name because it's just that's the what that's the name it is. You know, that that's that's a big at least my interpretation of, you know, I, I'm you know, I I come from New Jersey. So I'm I'm you know, everything that I learn, I learn secondhand or I, I learn in books or podcasts or in movies, just talking to people. But it's you know, it's all secondhand. I mean, I I'm I'm just a student of history, but there is that push, I feel to or the anti-push <laughs> to uh they, they just you know they don't want to necessarily um engage with that history in a, in a complex manner that you know they want to just sort of hold on to it as, as a you know this and almost a point of pride you know and i i think that that's something that's that's a little odd and i i i think that that's something that is kind of exciting to explore in a fictional setting and to sort of explore that uh and sort of you know dive into sort of hard subjects but in you know relatively you know in an, like an action suspense uh but also dramatic way 
Um, I don't know. It, it's it's something that I, I find interesting about the South, and it's something that I like to explore about the South, especially the Deep South. You know, it's it, and you know, in writing something in which there are, you know, if, especially if you do something said in the eighteen seventies, you're going to have you know the leftovers of the Civil War and all, all those sorts of feelings and all that. Um, so it's something that I'm very conscious of as as we dive into it. But yeah, in terms of whether there's you know. Uh, something larger going on. I mean, I I keep implying it, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake, you know, for you, is it kind of uh, nice to uh, explore America's uh, horrible history? Is is there an escapism to exploring our awfulness? <laughs> I don't know. It's all parallel, isn't it? You know, I, I honestly can't say I think that much about it. Like when, you know, I think about it whilst I'm reading the script and then I'm draw- then after that, it's just doing the drawing. So it's mm. like, <laughs> I wish I could say I had a, a better answer than that. But it's just, um, I think the whole the whole act of making comics at all is complete escapism, as, as is reading them, I think. It's like, you know, you can point out some, you know, some truths in there, but most of the time I'm, I'm not reading it. I'm not reading comics to uh, to really think about things that are happening around me but it's like and the same yeah when I'm drawing it that's like I'm just it doesn't matter what's really going on it's I'm just I'm making comments so it's like that's just you know um so I think this kind of thing is for me is like a fantastical kind of thing um you know it's completely well you know it's it's historical fiction anyway but yeah it's in sort of a distant land so yeah it's interesting because it's like I try not to think about too much like the actual people who live in Texas and how they might respond to this stuff or anything like that. Um, yeah, for me, it's just sort of like, it's, yeah, it's it's completely, it's a completely separate thing. I feel like people in Texas do like our book, which is, you know, quite a, a feat, I think, because that was always the, the, that was always the risk, right? Mm. I mean, that was right back, you know, right at the start, you know, the question I got asked the most was, you're not from Texas, why are you writing about Texas? And, you know, I think that we've proven ourselves, you know, as, you know, not wanting to exploit Texas, you know, and, and sort of, and I, I was talking to somebody else about this um, recently, but it was, it's important to me to not preach through our characters and instead uh, allow the characters to sort of, you know, that they have come to their own conclusions uh, based on their own experiences. So like, I mean, I don't have Joe Bob, you know, espousing democratic values, whereas, you know, <laughs> that that's something that's important to me, that I'm not lying about a place and a people um, while still, t- you know, talking about some, some fairly tough issues. While also, like Jake was saying, having like the, you know, doing it all in like this sort of fantastical, like in a comic book, you know, and have it be enjoyable, not just, a, you know, miserable <laughs> time. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, you're on Comic Book Couples Counseling, where we take every comic and make it about our values. <laughs> it just seems like you have created space in between. For me, Texas Blood is about our relationship with story and how much are we going to allow yeah. story make us who we are versus the truth make us who we are. And I think that Texas as an idea is such a perfect touchstone for that because. Yeah. There are two Texases. There's the Texas we all know, and then 
like through pop culture. And then there is the Texas that is. So like, so to me, I like, I still think that someone could read that Texas blood and not feel specifically criticized because there is that buffer. Yeah. We I mean, all relate to. Well, we definitely, I mean, we love the area and we love the the, the people there and, and there are, you know, there's some great characters, you know, in, in real life, Texas. I mean, but again, that there's, I mean, I, I could say there's bad, there's bad things about New Jersey. I'm, you know, I'm from New Jersey and then there's, what? there's, there's bad there's things about awful, New yeah, Jersey? An awful, an awful lot of bad <laughs> things about New those. Jersey, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's just, I love New Jersey and I, you know, I, I grew up here and, you know, I mean, I, I know plenty of people who hate it and wanted to move out as soon as they could and all that. I mean, I frankly did the same thing, but I also always kind of held on to like this pride of New Jersey and we got very grumpy when all anybody wanted to talk about was Jersey Shore, you know, <laughs> uh, so I'm like, they're, they're not even from there, they're from Staten Island, but whatever. Um, so it, you know, it's, it's important to me to, to engage with the characters and, and the stories that we're telling on, on their own level and not sort of transposing our thoughts about what they should be or something, you know, we're not, we're not re-mythologizing Texas, we're exploring the mythology that already exists, is really what um, you know, and then obviously we're doing our own thing with our own stories and, you know, you know, is there an evil there? Blah, 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 blah. You know, I mean, that comes from just our, you know, wanted to tell good comic book stories. But, you know, there is there is that sort of, you know, we we steep our our stories very much in in character. And that that comes down to, you know, the, the real people that live there. We, we want to have this feel as as authentic as possible and i mean that's one of the things that we get emails about you know fairly frequently is that it feels true to people um and so that's something that's important to me is that it, it feels true and then because it feels true we're able to do things like have a cult have a serial killer you know have like a snowstorm <laughs> uh like that Those things never and, uh, which there there are snowstorms in Texas, but um, <laughs> in West Texas they don't tend to be as bad as the one we describe. But it, I mean, th there are snowstorms in Texas for sure, especially in West Texas. But they tend to happen more north. But anyway, I, it was just <laughs> one of those things where it's like, well, let's just you know pull the thread a little bit, and you know maybe you know it's it's a fictional county. <laughs> You know, things can happen. So it's like, you know, so it's it there's always that in my mind is that, you know, we we are we are telling stories that feel real, feel true about real, you know, characters that feel real, uh, while also very much it's very much fictionalized. Uh, but yeah, but just trying to stay true to that that sort of that core character. Well, the Enfield Gang Massacre number one comes out on August 9th. It gets the uh, Comic Book Couples Counseling seal of approval. I do think that you could pick up issue one, having not read any of that Texas Blood, and perfectly enjoy it. But if you have read that Texas Blood, or if you go back and read that Texas Blood, you'll see that there is a massive saga being told here. And I'm so excited by that saga thank you very much i mean that's it's it's exciting to to hear you say that and i mean to, to have you call it a saga it's like you don't necessarily think about it when you're sitting there creating it but to have somebody say that it's like oh that you know it's it's really exciting to to know that we're creating something that people are looking forward to and wanting to read and explore um, yeah we should have called it saga maybe that would help the sales a little bit <laughs> i'm telling you this is your hellboy comic uh yeah thank you uh, 
thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we're going to have to get you back on when the Enfield gang massacre wraps up and what, you know, whatever the next chapter of this universe uh, turns out to be. We we'll be here for sure. I'd love to come back. Jake uh, might be knocked out for about four months after. <laughs> but until the next. <laughs> Lisa, you really were challenging them. You're like, give <laughs> us the details about your feelings. Yes, because they make me so curious and the conversation is so compelling. I think we should now do our vows. <laughs> I promise uh, to read uh -huh. all of that Texas blood and the entire universe because I love it so much. And, um, and uh, as long as we both shall live. Uh, ditto. <laughs> ditto what Lisa just said. Those are my vows. I really do feel like, and I said this multiple times, so I know you believe me, but I do feel like that Texas blood is their Hellboy comic. Yes, yes. This is a universe where you could explore so many different nooks and crannies. And also, just FYI, you could invite other creators into the universe and have like a weird tales spinoff where you have people like Jesse Lonergan or Nick Cagnetti contributing to the That Texas Blood universe. I don't think they're necessarily ready for that now, but I could see that in the future. The distant future. The distant future. I want them to wring this rag for the rest of uh, my natural existence. Well, that, but that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. like this is an endless kind of story yes. because it is so expansive. And that is just something that I could not have possibly imagined after reading that first trade paperback. After we read that second trade paperback and when Chris Condon had first come onto the podcast uh, like a year ago, two years ago, before Jacob joined him for our conversation about the third trade paperback. But when we were exploring the second trade paperback, that was when we started to think, oh, you know, there's, there's some real blood mm. running under Ambrose County. Like I think about Ghostbusters 2 and that river of slime that yeah. is swimming beneath Manhattan. Something like that is possibly happening in that Texas blood. Something that I love so much about that Texas blood and the way that they are creating it is they're very upfront when they're saying like, we don't even have it all figured out yet. Right. Yeah. What, like when we start the next arc, we're discovering these questions for ourselves and there might not already be an answer tickling them in the back of their brain. It's very exploratory, which is, it, it's exciting because you get this sense of like, okay, they're going through discovering that Texas blood with us, the reader. Right, right, right. And, you know, when I talk about wanting to explore capital E evil in that mm. Texas blood, I do not think that ultimately that is the interesting thrust of the narrative, especially when you get to something like the Enfield Gang Massacre, where the lowercase evil is the more not only relatable thing, but I feel like the lowercase evil may actually be the uppercase yes, evil, right? Yes, that's what I think. And if we were to go back to the Cadillacs and Dinosaurs era of that Texas blood, we, I don't think, you know, I'm going to write this story for Chris Condon right now. Here this is go, really rude it, of it, me. Do it, do but it. But if you were to go back to 
the land that would eventually be called Ambrose County. And you would find, I don't think, a like a devil, right? I don't right. think you would find the concept of evil existing there until humanity arrived. Mm -hmm. And in my imagination, there is an original sin that occurred on that land that continues to spread up till the present day with Sheriff Joe Bob. And an original legend created to cover up that lie. Yes, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, to me, I, I do like this idea of we are living in a construct made of a thousand tiny indiscretions, a thousand tiny deals with the devil. And once you start trying to root out, oh, oh, no, we've we've gone so far from the truth, is that going to mean that just a big hole is going to open mm. up and Ambrose County is just going to fall directly into lava? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, or slime. Or Ghostbusters slime. 2 slime. Oh, yeah, bringing it back. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm just having so much fun with that Texas blood and, the, you know, this Enfield gang massacre. We read it last night. And, you know, I was excited to read it and I knew it was going to be good. I knew it was going to be good. But it's always exciting when you are reading something that you know that's going to be good and it delivers beyond that. I love it when um, you're told, like, it's like this completely independent thing. It's a spinoff. And then you find out, oh, no, it connects back to the story totally. I am so fully totally. invested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where is it going after issue one? I have some ideas, but I also really don't know. And, a lot of yeah. the information is in that little article at the end um, from 1996. Well, as Chris says, what's cool about that article is he lays out the legend, right? He And he lays out some facts. So there are facts there that we know, you know, things are not going to end well for certain characters in the first issue. But it's all about, you know, uh, really detailing what actually went down and what the history books got wrong. Mm -hmm. I just want to know who's writing that article. Yeah, you think it's somebody we know from that Texas book? I would love it to be. Like, I just think that when you include an article as part of your back matter and you just leave out... Yeah, the byline. The byline. It's it's, it's missing. It's yeah, significantly missing. It's, it's conspicuous to me, and it makes me real and, curious. And Chris did not touch it in the conversation. No, he did not. <laughs> he did not. Oh, yeah, there you are. Uh, okay, links in the show notes to our previous conversations with Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. Links in the show notes to all our San Diego Comic-Con coverage, including our Daniel Warren Johnson, the NOM conversation, and our Mark and Eve counseling session, the final Mark and Eve counseling session. Tomorrow is Sunday, Confident to say that it is definitely Sunday. And Sunday's episode is going to be our final episode this week. <laughs> I was going to say it's our final San Diego Comic-Con episode, but that's actually not true because when we land in San Diego, we're actually going to have several conversations with many people. Yes. Uh, but again, I don't feel like naming who those people are because things can fall through and we already just had one fall through and it was crushing for yeah. Brad personally. But, but important but because important. Uh, but important. We, we don't want to union say, I, strong, union strong, union strong. We stand with the WGA and SAG-AFTRA. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, shut up, Brad. 
Tomorrow is Sunday, and it's a crazy cool interview. Julie Sakai and Stan Sakai are joining Comic Book Couples Counseling to talk about Dogu Publishing, and we really get into it regarding Chibi Usagi, which is a Usagi Yojimbo spin-off series mm-hmm. like the Enfield Gang Massacre that I used to dismiss as just something, you know, frivolous and light and fun. But on this revisitation, I found, and really thanks to Lisa exploring it with me, I found that Chibi Usagi is actually an essential chapter in the Usagi Yojimbo narrative. Yeah, it's opening up the multiverse, and yeah. I'm into it. Yeah, so... Get ready for Julie Sakai and Stan Sakai tomorrow. How rad is that? So cool. But enough living in the future. <laughs> in our presence, we have not yet packed. Right, and right, we're leaving right, right, right. tomorrow. 4 a.m. So we, we gotta wrap up this episode so that I can get to the mall because I don't have any cute clothes, it turns out, I discovered. So where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? You can find me on most social medias at MouthDork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at A Cool Hand Fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art and show poster, send them to Karen Charm at Karen underscore X-Men fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation? My words of what? Oh, boy. (laughs) Should I edit that out? Lisa! Yeah! Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram, Twitter, Blue Sky, and Threads. Yeah, you are. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to get exclusive, you can join our Patreon, where you'll get so much more content, (laughs) including (laughs) weekly bonus episodes, and sometimes even multiple weekly bonus yeah episodes. i mean we had three episodes last week uh, we're gonna have at least two patreon episodes this week and you Pretty can crazy. buy that for a dollar you could buy that for a dollar <laughs> if you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically you can email the podcast cbcc podcast at gmail.com you can visit our website comicbookcouplescounseling.com or follow us on instagram and twitter at CBCC Podcast, also Threads, also Blue Sky, also Hive. We're going to have to tighten up this outro because it's getting ridiculous. (laughs) You can give us the gift of five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to do an active service, why not rate a review of the show while you're there? Yes, please. We're fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. So until next time, friends, which is tomorrow, <laughs> keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. Doopy doopy.